Welcome back to Table Pop Table Talk, everyone. My name's Brent Coolman. I'm here with Adam Moline. It's good. It sounds more like table mumble here. You're having trouble talking. <laughs> yes, indeed. A lot of things going on in my mind, but uh, we'll just we'll try better, and concentrate. Better than me. I just got crickets. So. <laughs> we'll we'll try and concentrate on Jonah. We read in the first half of the program. We read Jonah three, and we were giving some background before Genesis. Or pardon me, Jonah. Three, <laughs> and we were talking about that. So, folks, you know, if you want to read the entire book of Jonah for fun, and just run along with it here as we go. So, we were we were doing backstory before Jonah chapter three, and so uh, they're on the ship. the The sea is rough. They're going to be capsized. Everybody's going to die. The sailors pray to their gods, and the, the the captain of the ship asks for jo- for Jonah's help. Why don't you pray to your god? Uh, what you know, Yahweh. And they're all terrified that he's a worshiper of Yahweh. And uh, Jonah says, well, throw me overboard and the sea will become calm then. But they don't at first. You know, they, they try and they row to the shore instead. And, and when they can't row anymore, when they're completely exhausted and it's obvious that they're all going to sink, then they pray to Yahweh for forgiveness. And then they toss Jonah overboard into the sea. And forgiveness instantly, at the death of someone else, which is another irony there. Say more. Yep. Well, I mean, uh, this is going to refer again to Jesus, who uh, is, in a sense, cast out and killed on the cross uh, so that we might all have forgiveness. He even says those words, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do uh, as he is killed. And, uh, you know, Jesus himself makes mention of Jonah when he uh, preaches, saying, just as Jonah was three days in the belly of a fish, so too must the Son of Man be three days in the belly of the ground. Uh, Which, again, you said earlier, uh, I worship Yahweh, the creator of the sea and the land, and we have both of those things having contained someone for three days, uh, as we see I, I, like I said, I'm not trying to take up all the time here. No, no. The, the, I told you before, I said, point out these wonderful, delicious uh, comparisons. And, and I'm going to say more about that here in just a second. So we've observed that when they throw him overboard, the sea instantly becomes calm. And I would contend, as you just said, that, that Jonah instantly at this particular time be, becomes a foretaste, if you will, uh, a foreshadowing, a sign, if you will of the Lord Jesus Christ who calms the sea <laughs> by being swallowed up into it. The wrath of God is put at ease. And, and again, to draw all these things, when we see, for example, the, the book of Revelation, we see heaven. There is a sea as calm as glass there, yeah. uh, which is different than the sea that we have, which is always churning and moving and uh, dangerous. And in this particular case, in the storm, very terrifying. Right. See, see, folks, how delicious this stuff is. So Jesus, he calms the sea, if you will, because he's swallowed up by it. And he spends three whole days in the belly of death, if you will, in the tomb. Okay. Yeah, that, and that's, that's why what you quoted says. that. You quoted, that's Matthew 12. And it's even the words of, of Jonah here. Uh, when he's praying in the belly of the fish, uh, that's the things that he's saying, you know, uh, especially read that prayer be, and think about all the ways that that is fulfilled in the person of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So the belly of the fish, the great fish. So on one level, for lack of better terminology, just run with it. On one level, then, the book of Jonah is about something else. It's about death and it's about resurrection. Uh, it, is, it is about the mystery of Jesus, who is the Christ, who does his salvational work for the world. How? Through death, his Good Friday death, and his Easter Sunday resurrection. 
Um, so, you know, think, put yourself in Jonah's shoes for a minute. I mean, you could, you're swallowed whole and you're in the belly of the whale or the great fish. I mean, you can do a lot of, a lot of thinking when you're there. Especially, is that what you expect? <laughs> what did you, I mean, what did Jonah hope for? Throw me over the, the side of the ship that I might die and then I don't have to go to the Ninevites and uh, I don't have to deal with this problem that I've caused. I can just die. And God doesn't even do that. He gives him the time there in the, the belly of the fish for repentance uh, so that he might come to the conclusion, as he says at the end of chapter 2, that salvation belongs to the Lord, yeah. which is the <clears throat> repentance that God actually wanted him to have in the beginning. So he prays. Right. And he sings, if you will, like a psalm. He sings a psalm. In, in the belly of the fish, about how God works. I mean, this is really interesting in Jonah, that he, in the belly of the fish, he, he, he prays and he praises of how God works. Uh, life in death, uh, how he raises people up from the pits of hell, or death, if you will, and how salvation, as you just said, comes from, from the Lord. And that's the hinge verse, I would contend, in Jonah. Salvation is from Literally in the Hebrew, it's salvation is from Yahweh. So put salvation and Yahweh together, and you get the name Yeshua, which, of course, is Jesus. <laughs> That's right. And, of course, keeping up with uh, this backstory in Jonah chapter 3, you know, three days later, the fish belches or spits out Jonah on a beach somewhere. Uh, seaweed probably stuck to his hair. It's, he's, he's just covered in gastric digestive juices from the belly of the whale. And what's Jonah do? Well, he heads to Nineveh and he preaches the word of God to the Ninevites. And he preached, uh, but one day, uh, just one day he preaches and uh, the entire city, including the king, uh, repented in sackcloth and ashes. Everyone fasted in sackcloth and prayed to God for mercy. And God had mercy on this great, city in the ancient world and he did not destroy it yeah and it's got a picture too here um jonah is spit up on the shore of the mediterranean sea and he has several hundred miles that he has to walk to get to all the way to get to nineveh it's a it's not a short journey especially by foot uh, through all sorts of different terrain with all sorts of different people uh, and it's an amazing thing that god sends him to go do then and he he takes all those steps begrudgingly because he still is a sinful human being and yet uh, he's going to go do what lord has asked him uh, in this in this case so nineveh repents they do which means they turn from their sin and they turn to God for salvation. Just like Jonah had. Yeah. Now you would think, wouldn't you, Adam, because uh, we live in a Walt Disney world, a Walt Disney country, you it would think happily that... Happily ever after. Yeah, yeah. You'd think that everybody now lives happily ever after. But you, know, you would think that Jonah would be absolutely delighted that these Ninevites have been repented by the Lord and have been turned to the true... And the living God, Yahweh. But was he? No, he's angry. And that's because Jonah sees things in the small picture way. He sees it in terms of his 
uh, life in this world, his country that he lives in, his king that he serves, uh, and he's not looking at the bigger picture, which is Christ and what Christ actually wants and what Christ does in this world. And so uh, he's angry at God for saving the Assyrians because he knows that they're the enemy of his people Israel <laughs> and that uh, perhaps he even has an idea that uh, Assyria at one point is going to destroy the northern kingdom of Israel and that Babylon, which will be... Uh, conquering the same land is going to destroy Judah. He knows they're his enemy, and now God has saved them. Well, why? Well, because God's got a different plan, a bigger plan, a plan involving Christ, a plan involving uh, wise men coming from the east, uh, a plan uh, that requires the people of Israel to be uh, in exile in this land, in this region. And so Jonah doesn't see the big picture God's going to remind him of again of that, um, that God's really in control of the situation when Jonah's angry about Nineveh being saved. Yeah, I'm, I'm picking it up here at chapter 4. It displeased Jonah exceedingly. So I asked, we think that everybody would live happily ever after, but not for Jonah. It displeased Jonah exceedingly that Nineveh repented. And he's angry. And he prays to the Lord and he says, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. In other words, uh, Jonah's angry because he says, I knew you'd let him off the hook. I knew that you'd forgive them. He's angry about that. Isn't that interesting that even today that's the part of God that people hate the most, that he can forgive? You see this in Bible study, right, when you talk about a terrible person and say, well, Christ died for them too, and they don't like that idea, you know? Um, If if God can forgive this sin, you say, perhaps you can forgive them as well, and they don't want to. They want to hold a grudge forever until the day that they die. Yeah. So this is just incredible. Uh, so Jonah then sits down on a hill that overlooks Nineveh to see what's going to happen next. And the sun gets really hot and it beats down on Jonah. And the Lord provides a, a nice vine with nice big leaves to keep the sun off of Jonah's head. And Jonah was happy about the vine. But the next day, God sent a worm and the worm eats the vine and destroys it. And then Jonah's not so happy about the worm. And then God says to him, do you have a right to be angry, Jonah? And of course, Jonah says, yes. Yes. I have a right to be angry, and I'm so mad that I'm mad enough to die. <laughs> and, and so the Lord then says to Jonah, he says, Jonah, you're more concerned about this vine, which grew up one day and, the, and then died, of course, the very next day, than you are about this huge city, Nineveh, who don't have a clue, not to mention many cattle. Don't you think I should be concerned about them? And this is precisely then how Uh, the book of of Jonah ends. It ends with a question from God. Should I not be concerned? And notice he gives the number. Uh 120,000 people. Shouldn't I be concerned about this great city with 120,000 citizens or inhabitants? Hmm? And Uh, by extension, then the question is asking the same thing about us. Shouldn't God be concerned about us, too? Shouldn't he do as necessary to save us, to rescue us, to repent our hearts? Yeah. Uh, and, yep. of course, the answer is yes, he's going to, and he does. So not just not just Nineveh, not just us, but let's push him for the, the entire world. Yeah, yeah. So don't you think that the Lord should be concerned about them? 
Well, of course. And so again, this is this is how the book of, of Jonah ends. So the book of Jonah, as as our time runs out, is 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 showing us the grace of God in Christ Jesus. It's universal grace, if I can talk like that. It's undeserved kindness for the world. So the story of Jonah reminds Israel um, that Israel is not some cozy country club for the elect, if you will. It wasn't a private club for the chosen few. It's supposed to be, Israel is supposed to be an elect sign, if you will, of God's salvation for the world. Salt and light, as Jesus talks about in Matthew's gospel, salt and light for the world. And and to bring that salvation about, God sends a preacher to preach the word, and in the word, God creates faith. And the faith is the thing, then, uh, that trusts God, and that's what brings the salvation. So we just want to make make sure we're not saying everybody is automatically going to be saved in the end. It still has to come through the word and through faith that trusts in Jesus Christ. And when Jonah preached the word, the people believed and trusted. And that's the thing then that they have salvation in. And that's why I said that the hinge text or the yep. hinge, hinge verse is, is chapter uh, 2, verse 9, salvation belongs to Yahweh. <laughs> Thanks be to God for that. Well, stay Lutheran, my friends. We'll call it good for today. Talk to you again soon.